0: There's no right or wrong answer. It's more like a choose your own adventure and <laughs> adventure out once you've chosen that. Mm-hmm. It's just how you can't predict. Like it's hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 really. Mm-hmm.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Work in Progress podcast with Dina and Angela. If you want to change careers or you want to be inspired by real career change journeys, this is the right podcast for you. We interview people who successfully switch careers and learn their strategies, and we have insights for you in our shows. And this brings me to today's guest. We're talking to Amy today. Amy was a pharmacist, and she quit her career when she realized that she was hitting a development ceiling and she wanted to figure out what she could do next. When asked about if she was scared when she quit her job, she gave a resounding yes, but she also told us that she knew she could go back to pharmacy if tech didn't work out for her. So we talked about how she realized that her career needed to change, how she figured out if tech was right for her, and what she did next to move into tech. We also talked about job hunt after the boot camp, the importance of having a good network and a good mentor. One thing Amy pointed out that I absolutely agree with was that there are many transferable skills you take with you from your previous job to the next, even if when you go into a completely different industry or a different role. And we'll find out what those were for her if you keep listening. As always, I enjoy talking to people who break out of their comfort zone and tackle the next obstacle head on. And Amy is one of them and I truly admire that. So without further ado, here's Amy's work in progress story.
2: thanks again for joining us, Amy. So as I, as I was explaining to you earlier, really the thing that we're most interested in is to talk to people who successfully switch their careers. Um, doesn't matter from what industry to what industry or you know from a, a job function to a different job function. And usually, I want to talk to them and kind of learn how they made the transition, have them walk me through the process, you know, why they decided they wanted to switch, and what's the motivation and their story behind it. And hopefully, to learn a bit more about how they're successful in their transition and see how other people can do the same for themselves. Maybe it'll be very helpful for you to kind of walk us through what you did before, you know, your college degree and all that, and then to where you are right now?
0: Sure, I guess at a really high level, I started off um, as a pharmacist. So I went through my four years of college, got into grad school, which is pharmacy school, and then graduated, took my license. I worked with I worked at Walgreens mm-hmm. and Kindred Hospital. So I had both outpatient and inpatient experience and mm-hmm. then I is eventually transitioned to a start pharmacy, um, called Carezone, which is really Mm -hmm. different. It's probably where I really discovered tech. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, over the course of time, I also talked with my roommate about it and she really mentioned what user experience was. And she kind of just offhandedly said, Oh, like maybe you you might be good at this. And I wasn't sure what it is. I think you know, you've never been in any tech background at all. You'd be like, "What? What is user experience?" Mm-hmm. So I took a one boot camp just to actually really understand what it is, or at least some sort of basic foundation of what it is. And then, after a lot of soul searching, uh, I made the plunge to transition. Mm-hmm. I pulled in one of like one of the many boot camps that are out there, and. Um, graduated and did my job search and eventually landed in my first job where i am at today which is at buco an online diabetes management app so in a great sense it's still in healthcare, and i get to use my knowledge um in the current position
2: that i am in Mm, wow and what made you wanted to to switch is it because you're so close to tech or um you kind of see that there's some benefit in working you know taking your knowledge and working in a different different industry what was it
0: um there were a number of factors i think and mm-hmm. one of the factors was when i was looking for a new job in pharmacy i felt that my options were very similar to what was available a couple of years ago and it seemed like the options I would have later on in the years would kind of be the same. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I I really wondered like, you know, is this something I want to continue doing? I don't hate it. Um, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I know like a lot of people, uh, or maybe not a lot, some people may transition their career because they hate what they're currently doing. Um, that wasn't the case for me. It just felt okay. It paid the bills. But it didn't. I did. It did take me, and that's what did, where the soul searching really came in. Like, is this mm-hmm. what I really picture myself doing for the rest of my life? And you know, if I were to be really frank, I, I'm pretty sure part of the reason why I went into pharmacy was to fulfill some sort of Asian immigrant parent dream.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think that also played a little bit of a factor.
2: Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. When you
3: mentioned options, sorry, um, I am just a little curious. So when you mentioned options, um, you know, the second time around or like a few years later, when you have a little bit more experience and you wanted to um, find a new job, you said the options weren't, um, I guess, weren't satisfactory. Did you mean like the number of um, options for you or did you mean like in terms of responsibilities you see, you saw in the roles that you were looking at, they weren't, too challenging or too exciting to you?
0: Um, They were essentially roles that would be doing like the same thing. And also I feel, and this is just my personal uh, opinion or reflection of the uh, profession is that it's very hard to move laterally unless you get additional certification and training. And sometimes that can be difficult. I guess it's like a high barrier. It's a very, there's a high barrier to really taking a transitional, a lateral transition in the career. Like if I wanted to go into nuclear pharmacy, Mm. that takes a whole lot of hurdles to, um, get through. Um, and there are not that many positions out there for that either. And it's, it's just really not <clears throat> easy, or it takes a lot, a lot of investment, a time investment, in order to make that transition.
2: And how long after you worked as a pharmacist did you decide that you wanted to change?
0: About three and a half to four years.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think of the people that I talked to, there are some that kind of switch right away, but I think a fair amount of people that changed their jobs. It kind of happened. A few years into their career where they kind of had a pretty good feel for their career and they kind of you know met with people that are in the same career trajectory and talk to them and then kind of think about their future and then kind of think that maybe i should keep my options open and either get a different degree or like you did and switch or do something else make kind of a different pivot but i think it's i, I see that in a lot of people that it's like after a few years working in a job that they start thinking about like the deeper deeper things as opposed to just, you know, getting this job and just, you know, go, go, go. So I think that happens pretty organically to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so too.
2: Especially, mm-hmm.
0: like, I think, well, I, I don't think my experience is very uncommon where, again, like the whole, I guess, um, I don't want to overgeneralize, but like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's uncommon for a child of an immigrant family to, Mm-hmm. Where the family values a lot on education and getting some sort of very high paying, stable job. You kind of just like, okay, next I got to go to high school. Okay, next I got to go to college. Okay, next I got to get a really good paying job. And not really, really thinking about like what it is that I want to
3: do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely know what you're talking about.
3: Okay. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up deciding or came to the conclusion that um, user experience or UI UX is actually. What's going to fulfill, I guess, that yeah. whole. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay. I, I actually recently talked to another pharmacist <laughs> about it because she, she reached out to me. It's like, how do you do it? What do you think? I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, to be, if I were to be really, really frank, I wasn't 100% sure. I took a gamble that I was 70, maybe 65% knew I wanted to go into this because mm-hmm. all I really had to go off of was some YouTube videos of what UX designers do. Um my roommate is also a designer a different kind of designer but um kind of like observing what she does um and taking a one day boot camp none of it screamed like oh this is a terrible idea like it, it was like all right this seems pretty cool and another thing and like one of the biggest factor was like all right like how much investment because like in terms of if i were to transition a career you know i i can't afford to go back to another two years of school uh not worth for two years and or accumulate another set of debt because both my partner and i still have our student loans from pharmacy school eventually i honestly i really just took the plunge did, there were no red flags for me i i generally like the idea i like my one day boot camp even my instruct, instructor to me he says like even told me straight to my face like if you don't hit your job and you have financial burden, then I don't really recommend this. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, but I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, and maybe it's just the type of person that I am. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt that, you know, why not? Like, or maybe this has just ended up being a mid quarter crisis, but uh, what do I have to lose, to be honest. Yeah. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Try it. If it doesn't work out, I still have my license um, to fall back yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in that sense, I feel very, very privileged that I have a very good like backup plan. i have a very supporting uh, spouse that would allow me to try out this kind of transition. So mm-hmm. I feel my risk is not as wounding or mm-hmm. as impactful as some other people who I think like may have a lot
2: more financial dire consequences Mm, i see so i think this is this topic is something that angela would be really interested in because um she's very interested in the 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 tech area especially being a woman um there's a lot of i guess initiative or effort these days to you know put more women in tech and i think she herself just went through a round of boot camp so i think that's the something is Definitely something that she's very interested in. So, tell me a, a little bit about your bootcamp experience. Which one did you go to? How did you, you know, select the which which bootcamp you decided on?
0: I went to San Francisco General Assembly's ten week user experience immersive uh, bootcamp, mm-hmm. and I chose this one um, primarily because my roommate, the one that uh, is a designer, she took the part time class mm-hmm. and she really liked it, and based on her review, I decided to go with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that experience was different. Um, uh, it, I guess it was just basically going back to school nine to five, wake up nine to five, um, learn a whole new set of skills, uh, put it into practice, uh, make a portfolio out of it. You have instructors who have been in the field for a while and they're passing on their knowledge, but I, but it is only a 10 week program. It does not compare to like a four year human computer interaction, uh, degree. Um, mm-hmm. so it's really, you only really get the basic foundation of it. And because I realized that, um, I had to really, uh, go beyond the nine to five learning. Like even after school, like I would make sure to go to design events every week or have mm-hmm. uh, set up a coffee date with designers out there and really reach out to the design community to learn beyond the classroom Hmm. Um, because there's just so much more it's there's just so so much more and Hmm. and part of transitioning into a career that I completely had zero background I didn't have I didn't have a graphic designer background no coding no product management none of that so to me I felt like I was really motivated because like I really started rather than starting from ground zero it felt more like starting from around negative 50.
3: That's a very interesting perspective. Um, So I guess maybe we should have asked this question a little earlier. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, exactly what designers do? And I personally have not read too much about what designers do. Um, The research I've done are really, you know, based on roles in product management and um, software engineering. So um, I feel like I have kind of like a pretty good baseline understanding, but when it comes to exactly what designers do, I'm honestly not quite sure. So I'm sure a lot of people that are not already in tech, that are not already working with those, you know, designers already, they probably also are on quite
0: sure too. So, Mm. um, okay. So like there's different types of designers. Like there, I think a lot of people are familiar with visual designers because a lot of people when they think designers like, oh, you make things look pretty,
2: Mm. but
0: it's so much more to that and that, that, and I think that's where I found the appeal of being a user experience designer or product designer what have you the titles just change all the time um it's really about solving problems like solving problems and like you know how how is a clinic going to schedule or know which which patient to schedule for their next clinic and using some sort of interface to accomplish that task or how if a user take if a user takes a whole minute and a half just to find one patient in their database. How do we, how do we design this so that it's easier for them to do it? And some, and like one of the biggest quotes, like the best design is if you don't notice it at all, you're able to just go through, Mm -hmm. um, uh, do what you need to do and, and with ease without, or if you do encounter an error, how do you, how does the, how does the product help you reroute so that you're, you're either helped or you're able to solve the problem yourself? Um, so there's a lot of workflow and thinking about like, okay, from point A to point B, um, the type of interaction, how consistent it is, um, like the architecture of the entire product itself. Um, how do you handle different, what we call our edge cases? Like, you know, what if XYZ happens? Um, or what if like user encounters this problem, you know, how do we handle it? So I think that's, I would say that's a very general overall what designers do.
2: So how soon after you uh, finished your coding bootcamp, did you, like, what was the process of looking for a job? What was it like? How long did it take you to find a job?
0: So I graduated in November of 2017. So right smack dab, basically in the holidays, which Mm. is already a telltale sign that uh, budgets are shot. And so that was a little difficult during that time. we mm-hmm. don't have a budget to uh, hire mm-hmm. so new. Um, but I took that opportunity to really, uh, repolish my portfolio, get it critiqued, iterate mm-hmm. on it, um, find side projects to do. Mm-hmm. And then from January to March, I was, I had the opportunity, I was given the opportunity to be a teacher's assistant for the next design bootcamp class. So this was a really great opportunity to really reiterate um, and teach what I had learned. And like, to me, like that is one of the epitomes of understanding what you learned. If you can teach it to someone else, you actually learned it. Right. And and, And then I was getting a couple interviews in March. And by then, By the end of March, I was hired onto onto Gluco. So I would say it took me about um well two months. Well, I was still paid as um as a teacher's assistant. So like two months before I got my first paid career or paid position where it involves design. Mm -hmm. And then maybe like I was if you and if you didn't count that, then really like five months before I really got this
2: full time job. Mm, I see. Great. So um, I'm wondering if you think, you think there's any experience or skills from your past, you know, work or you know, uh, activities in school? What, was there anything that from the past that helped you become, you know, good at what you are today? Because um, I imagine this is quite different from a pharmacist.
0: Oh, yeah, it is very different, but I think what it really translates is um, the professional aspects of being a pharmacist. Mm. Because uh, as a pharmacist, you do have to work with different departments, whether it's nurses, doctors, gotcha. um, and case managers, or store managers, what have you like you, you need to form alliances, you need to get alignment. And um, those kinds of skills are definitely translatable in tech, you got to get you got to get by, you got to work with your engineers, you mm-hmm. got to get by in with other stakeholders, you got to really work with your product manager. And being able to communicate um, mm-hmm. on a professional level, um, be able to articulate what you need, be able to, when you make recommendations, don't just point out something's wrong. Like don't, don't bring just a problem, bring, bring solutions as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of, uh, professional development that I got as a pharmacist really helped my current career. Or I think it would help any career, to be honest, um, And I get the bonus is I am working in a health tech company, so I didn't have to retrain and understand what diabetes is, or I I already knew, like I knew. Mm -hmm. Did that play
3: any kind of a role in how you were looking for a full-time job as a designer? Did you specifically kind of target any kind of a health tech or healthcare companies knowing that, you know, some of your background would translate really well?
0: I definitely got, I definitely had to leverage as much of my background as possible, especially since it is trying to land my first job. But on top of that, I was very generally interested in design and healthcare just because it's just, if you, if you go into any hospital pharmacy or any pharmacy at all and look at their computer and look at their software, it is, it is atrocious. I mean, the hospital still uses fax today
2: <laughs> just that's yeah a i know bit outdated
0: sure. <laughs> not I caught up and, and mm-hmm. then you have amazing apps like yeah. airbnb and uber and like the like they that they just solve everything it's just the gap is just so disheartening i think that's also what also motivated me really to transition to be a designer because i really want to design not only for patients but also for healthcare providers
2: mm. as
0: well like it's, it's all, it's just, it's, to me, it's just tragic that they're so bogged down by so many other things
2: mm-hmm. that
0: even technology today cannot help.
2: Mm, yeah. And you have a pretty good, um, advantage cause you know, their pain points. <laughs> <laughs> <Hope so. laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay. So, so let's say you have somebody who is in your shoes. Who wants to change today? What would you recommend them to to do or to try out?
0: Um, really talk to other people that are already in the career, mm-hmm. um, especially to other individuals who have also made a transition because they can better emphasize and give more, I guess, realistic advice mm-hmm. on what it, what it really, really takes. Um, it's, Take a take like some sort of course, like whether it's a one day course or a workshop, just to get a better or hands on experience, if mm-hmm. if that career is applicable. Um, so that you you get a better grasp. Like mm-hmm. honestly, when I when I just googled or tried to read medium articles about what is UX it, for someone who's just never like knew about it, I'm just like, what? Well, okay, something 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 about. <laughs>
2: Solving complex issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a foreign language. So, um,
0: yeah. So, uh, definitely take a workshop uh, and some sort of workshop or class or some sort of hands-on experience. Or if if you're really lucky, you maybe even be able to shadow someone. Mm. By the opportunity, I think, so that it helps. Like, just on that deciding factors, like, is this something I possibly want to really, really invest my time and effort in, Mm -hmm. um, and another advice is take a real good, hard look at your finances to see if you can support that. Because, um, I think with transitioning careers, it's, it's, it's a, it's a long and bumpy ride. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just don't know how long you'll be looking for a job.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, uh, so it's, it's really important to make sure you have Mm -hmm. enough finances to help support through that journey.
3: Mm,
0: I see.
3: So- it sounded like it didn't take you very long at all, to be honest, to, you know, land your first role as an official full-time designer. But to some of, I guess, the other people out there that are wondering, oh, you know, realistically, how long would it take me to do the transition? Like, what is your experience, you know, maybe through speaking to the people who did the same bootcamp, like the same cohorts and just from other people that you talk to, what can they expect?
0: it's it's really hard it really it really depends because i've had classmates who found a job even sooner than i did because they had a way stronger network than i did i had to really build my network from ground up Mm -hmm. um or uh yeah and then and then it's really like how many how 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 willing are you to hustle like continuously doing side projects um continue reaching out to the community, going to design events, networking, meeting with other designers, networking your resume. Like, you know, how often, like, yeah, like every time I would apply to a job, I would try to connect with a designer and try to pick their brain and, mm. you know, and see if that company is also like where, it, if it was a place that I could thrive as a new designer. Um, I see. So did you
3: go off of the, I guess, um, like more, like the more typical, like job, job search websites that I can think of, like Glassdoor, indeed, and LinkedIn Angelist, maybe like you didn't do just like the blank applic- application through them. You connect it with the employees that are already working at the company that are hiring. And then is that how you kind of approach to your application?
0: Yeah. So not only, that, I mean everything, literally try, like doing every single part of the avenue, whether it's blank applications applying through indeed Angelus, LinkedIn, like mm. what have you everywhere. Um, and again, like not, it's not like everyone would reply either. Like I would try to connect with people and people would definitely not reply back. Um, or you, I might try to set up a coffee chat and I would get ghosted. Like it happens. There's mm. a lot, a lot mm. of, going on there, but there are also really like kind individuals out there um, that really reach back. I definitely had a lot more better luck when I reached out to fellow alumni from General Assembly, my book. When I reached out to them, it's like, hey, I noticed you graduated from this program. You're working as a designer now. Like can I really pick your brain? Like and for them, I definitely get a better success rate because they were there themselves. And right. They they definitely give back to the community. This is a very giving back community, which is what I really, really appreciate and love about the design community. Um, and um, I also like went out and looked for a mentor too, same time.
3: Um, did yeah. you cold email people on LinkedIn or how did you pick the people that you wanted to be mentors? Right.
0: Uh, oh, it was like more of a... I guess it's kind of like dating. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have a coffee chat with them. You see, like, because sometimes, like, you know, some of the conversations were like, I'll keep asking questions and they just reply to me, and you don't really get that conversation going. And those mm-hmm. could just be a one and done. Um, some other designers were, um, I do keep in touch with, um, but maybe they're just really busy and they don't have time to mentor, but they're very open to. Um, answering questions and um, helping out a little bit here and there. And then there are some like, and then there are some individuals where I connect with and meet with on a regular basis. I've shown them my portfolio. They really like put an effort to help me critique with it. And in turn, you know, they ask, you know, they keep in touch with me. And I feel like when I get that kind of, you know, two way connection, that's where I feel like, okay, I think, I think this is the one, like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's so funny uh so did you do you feel like you had to go through a lot of people in order to find you know a few ones that are you know actually have have the time to take out of their busy schedule to to actually help you and be very responsive what was it a lot of people
0: um I mean if you define a lot like hundreds then no not Mm for that say but it's not like the first, you know, ten people I went mm, through,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it
0: was not as few as that either. Mm. And um, and also I think part of mentorship is is not putting the entire burden on the mentor. Like as mm. a mentee, you yourself have a role. Okay. Like a men, like if you let's say you do ask for a mentor, like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like oh can you teach me how to do Photoshop like that's not what a mentor's job is supposed to be like I think a mentor's job is really more at like to to act as a compass or help guide you or answer co- kind of compass questions that you can't really Google I think that's a good rule of thumb like if you cannot Google it probably a good question that mm-hmm. you can ask your mentor because a lot of things like like there's a difference between good menteeship and poor menteeship I think poor menteeship is just relying on your mentor to really just poke you with the stick. Like, did you apply to your jobs yet? Did you do this? yet? Do you do this? Yeah. Like kind of like a nagging parent. Yeah. Of, or like I think a more, a healthier mentor mentee relationship is like as a mentee, like maybe I'm doing a side project and I'm trying well, and, and like, I've tried this, this and this, but I'm not sure what's the best meth, which one is the best method for the case study that I'm trying to do. And, I may, I may want to ask my mentor based on this kind of context. That's kind of hard to, to, to like research or like, let's say I'm learning new program. Like, oh, I'm learning sketch. I'm, I'm watching a ton of YouTube sketch videos. I'm doing all these tutorials. Now I want to do this with my, um, design, but I don't know how to get this effect. I've tried X, I've tried Y and I've tried Z and. Google is just not helping. And then at this point, it's like, hey, have you tried doing this? Because I've tried this, this, and this. Do you happen to know? So it shows that you have put your effort, yourself into learning, and you're really using that mentor to really guide or help you Mm. in ways that other resources can't. And to them, that and I think that would show the mentor that you're not really just using them. Because honestly, like, it's so gracious of a mentor to volunteer their time, their free time to you. So the least you can do is not substitute them as a nagging parent. <laughs>
2: that's so true.
3: Yeah, that's. I think that's a wonderful point. Um, I think a lot of things that, so I, I myself also went through a boot camp. And so I'm currently, I guess, going through what you went through. And I think um, a lot of times people will, you know, or I guess what I personally learned from the boot camp I went to um, that teaches people how to code a lot of times it really what they wanted to do was for you to find out the answer before you start asking Where like don't ask until you actually have spent time looking at documentation for example or google it yourself and there's really a lot of answers out there for you and i think it's a one of the you know one of the things i really like about tech is i feel like the people have the mentality to you know find out for yourself first and then then reach out to people that know how to do it and then Obviously, learn and you know learn from the more experienced people, but you never do it the other way around, where you reach out before you even do your own research. So mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful point.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so the next question I have is kind of a fun one, which is kind of different from I think most of the questions <laughs> that people ask. Um, I like to ask people to kind of um, do a mental exercise with me. So. Now that you have, you know, you, now now that you know what a pharmacist is, and now that you know how to be a designer, and you've gone through bootcamps, and like you said, you you've had mentors, and you know you were a good mentee. And what do you think you could possibly transition into in the future? Have you thought about maybe in the next five years, what if you're not doing this, what could you be doing?
0: I think another thing I could like is a, a possible transition is product management Mm. and really be able to be part of that decision-making process or just thinking of ways to, not saying that designers don't, I think there's just a whole different like uh, access of information that product uh, managers may have in terms of like thinking like what, how can we improve this product? Like how, like what direction Mm -hmm. do you want to take this product into? Mm-hmm. um and bringing and like really bringing all these pieces together and as some sort of or, or content strategy another
2: mm-hmm.
0: um another area I feel that like I can picture going to is content strategy and that's really like you know writing for the experience like when you open like when you open like there's it, it a world of difference when when you design with with your content like you know, what kind of voice and brand and tone do you want to really convey with your mm. product? Especially see. with a healthcare product. I think um, a lot of times um, some healthcare products can sound really cold and clinical. That is not very warm and welcoming to a patient who's probably sick and like, I have no idea. I have no yeah. idea how healthcare works. I don't know how my insurance works. And here, this product is just telling me I have a $5,000 copay and I'm just left on my own to deal with this. Mm. So I think it makes a huge difference to be able to write in a way that really convey um, that or reassure someone or, you know, leave that like leave an experience or impression on someone Mm. that they use the product to help solve their problem.
2: That's so true. And I feel like you probably kind of started doing that already because like you said yourself, you know, the pain points of a lot of healthcare professionals and you know, you know, like using something that was made in the 1980s, you know, in 2019, it really is just outdated and it's really painful. I experienced that myself in the past. So I feel like you probably already started doing that a little bit in your, in your current role. <laughs> I think that might be all my question, Angela, do you have any more? We
3: would just like to, you know, maybe happy tell us um, how can people reach you if they have questions and how can mm. people find you online?
0: Um, definitely. Um, I have obviously email is always great. Um, A-L-Y-N-N-G at gmail.com. I also have my LinkedIn. I'm mm. sure you just search Amy Ng and Udix designer or Amy Ng and Gluco. You'll find me very easily.
2: Cool. Thanks so much. Um, that was a great session. I feel like I learned so much. Um, well,
0: thank you for giving me this opportunity. i um, really touched that I could be helpful to you guys.
2: Yeah. So it's actually very helpful. And I know quite a few pharmacist friends who are kind of, you know, thinking about like either they kind of reached a point where they are thinking about something else to do or they're act really, really struggling to find the next thing that they like, but then they couldn't find it. And I think the different thing is that they because pharmacists. Um, pays pretty well so they have a hard time walking away from from that and you know uh, venturing to something new and potentially getting a a pay cut I know a couple of people like that so I feel like it's super helpful to to talk to you and you know I can I can tell them hey you know I have a friend who was pharmacist and now she did poop camp and she's doing all these kind of great things and you should think about doing this so I think this is definitely very very helpful.
0: Yeah I uh, yeah, definitely. Anyone to connect? I totally understand about the whole finance yeah, situation, mm. uh, but I mean, UX does pay. Yeah, you're gonna take a pay cut when you're starting out, but mm-hmm. I mean, like, years of experience. If you continue to learn and really get good at your job, like I'll get back up there. Yeah, I Thanks. guess. Sorry, since we're still
3: talking and on the on the talk to- topic of. um not not necessarily pay, but how much you invested in your previous role, and then having to walk away from it, I feel like we didn't dig too much into it just yet. So I guess my question for you is, did you ever feel like it was difficult walking away from something that you obviously went to at least four years of school or two years for? and then you know, obviously all the training um, and everything that came um, with or that was required to for you to receive your pharmacist license. Did you ever find that to be difficult to walk away from?
0: I, yeah, it, it was, I, it was really probably one of the biggest tough decision forks in a sense is like, I, and and just like what Dana mentioned, I I had that feeling too. It's like, well, I have a high paying job. It's really stable and I don't hate it. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) There's two philosophies of life. You can either just, you can, there's nothing wrong with, you know, sticking with a job that you just. You know, you, you you do your hours and then you use that money and that free sp- spare time you have to do the things that you really love doing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then there comes another choice in life where it's like, well, like I may not be in love with it, but maybe I want to do something else, even if it means like taking pay cut. And that's just, there's no right or wrong answer. It's more like a choose your own adventure and adventure <laughs> out once you've chosen that. Mm -hmm. it's just how you can't predict like it's hindsight's 2020
2: really Mm -hmm. yeah and I guess now that you've switched you can kind of look back and or maybe you know the next time you feel that you want to do something else and you will be less afraid because you've already done this once
0: yeah definitely
2: yeah
0: again like I am my license is still active and I plan Mm -hmm. on keeping it active and Mm -hmm. I'm making sure to recertify so it's not like I'm like literally walking completely Mm. Away from it either. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's true. Okay. One All thing right. I'm
3: curious about is sorry, I know we're, we're like over time, but one last question and this is probably just for myself, <laughs> like we don't have to include it um, <laughs> because I use a book camp myself as well. So, like a, a lot of what you said, I can relate. And I feel like, you know, it's kind of a relevant question. But um, what I've heard and been told is that at least for um, jobs like software engineers or like developers, a lot of, well, not a lot of the times. But sometimes some companies and obviously some people out there will have a preference for people who had a four year degree, for example, for your CS degree versus somebody who learned how to code through a bootcamp or like a self taught coder. Um, is there anything like that in the design community or in the design world where, you know, throughout your job search, did you ever encounter anyone who straight up said, Oh, you went to a bootcamp? We had some bad experience. We don't consider people who did a bootcamp because I, I not personally, I didn't encounter that myself, but someone I know have, and we've been told a few times actually at my bootcamp that, um, they actually recommend that we delay telling people that we did a bootcamp for as long as we can, because Mm. just because, you know, there is some kind of a, I guess I wouldn't say discrimination, but you know, there's some negative impression, I guess, um, Mm. with people who did bootcamps and some companies have been burned before. So they don't want to consider any bootcamp
2: grads. Oh, interesting.
0: Yes, that is definitely very prevalent in the design community as well because General Assembly isn't the only, and I'm sure that's the thing, like there isn't just one bootcamp. There's many exactly. companies with Five thousand coding boot camps. There's yeah. probably five thousand design boot camps, and then you're also com- and and those people and those schools pump out like what thirty students every month and a half, two months, what have you. And you know, you not only are you competing with these classmates or these other people who are also doing boot camps, but you're also competing with people who are doing four years who, who uh, and they're not career transitioners. They they've dedicated mm-hmm. four years of their lives doing it, and yeah, that's definitely there. Um, I personally haven't literally have someone tell me in my face, but I think there have been implications. or I've heard critiques or comments from designers where they don't see bootcamp grads in a more positive light. (laughs) (laughs) And I I can, I can kind of see why, um, some of the reasons was like every bootcamp grads Portfolio looks the same. Oh. that's like that's one of the yep. biggest criticisms—not uh, criticisms, uh, not criticism, but like kind of comments that I would hear. Mm-hmm. And I can, see that, um, you know, if if everyone happens to use Squarespace and if everyone happens to use the same template, it's and if you went in the same bootcamp program, you probably went through most, if not the same concept. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's going to, because end- the
3: requirements are very similar for, you know, people that are just starting out to learn to code. So then you end up with a lot of bootcamps, a crop, different boot camps grads with, you know, very similar portfolio. That's absolutely true.
0: Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's why, like, that's why I really stressed on like, like, as soon as I graduated from my bootcamp class, like I had to go find and do side projects so that I could drop my general assembly projects immediately, um, mm-hmm. to differentiate. Uh, making sure not to use the same template as everyone else for <laughs> help too, and really showing like, like that grit that you are really willing to learn um, and going out there and networking. And that's why I say like, literally, literally do everything in your own power that you can control. Like, you're not going to be able to control like your own the the fact that you you didn't have like that four year degree. Like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to control if a company doesn't hire you because there's someone else that has this X amount of experience, but like what you can control is how much you can learn, who you can meet, you know, what do you do with like your newfound knowledge, um, finding a mentor and all those other things. And until like you've really exhausted all those things, like there's still so many things you can do before giving up in like despair. And I think if you're able to show that kind of grit, like someone out there is is going to give you a chance. I, I see that's this, such a good point. <laughs> I don't know. Probably I actually wrote like a huge medium article about like what to do after you graduate. Ooh, did you, did you write that? Yeah, I, I wrote it. I, I
3: oh, thought, oh, that's awesome. Could to, you share with
2: us? Yeah, we that, need to include that then. I would love to include that.
0: The one and only ever medium article I ever wrote. It's just like how to not it doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's some important stuff that people should yeah. read about. Yeah, I think it's something that
3: a lot of people can relate to, and just because there's so many people that are, um, not to say that they necessarily want to go to boot camp, but a lot of people consider, you know, like I don't know what you would call this kind of education, where like you know it didn't you didn't spend four, four years, but you did some kind of a short term part time classes, and you know they're wondering is it worth it, what their experience is like, and what do what what do you do if people, I guess, question what you learned, even though you feel like you know it's still a very valuable experience. I think yeah, it would be wonderful to share with people. Sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. I and honestly, like even with my last week conversation, I was talking with a pharmacist and she was wondering, you know, whether to transition and into tech because she mm. really wanted to leave pharmacy and you know, she was asking like, you know, is it possible? It's like and, and I and I had to be I really had to be straight up with her. Like I I can't tell you whether it's for you because it really depends on how much it's really all I don't know. It depends. It's really all about you and what you're willing to face and how long you can face it for because you can i think it's it's
2: definitely definitely doable okay thank you thank thanks so much amy
0: thank you so much yeah let me know if i can help in any other
1: way thank you that's it for this episode and thank you for listening if you enjoyed our episode The best way to support us is to subscribe and rate our podcast. Stop by our blog and Instagram for more content. We are always looking to talk to people who have made career changes. So if you would like to share your story, please contact us at workinprogressblogs at gmail.com. Thank you.